0: Then Thingol gave Beleg leave to do as he would, and he said, "'Beleg Cuthalion, for many deeds you have earned my thanks, "'but not the least is the finding of my foster son. "'At this parting, ask for any gift, and I will not deny it to you.' "'I ask then for a sword of worth,' said Beleg, "'for the orcs come now too thick and too close for a bow only, "'and such blade as I have is no match for their armor.' Choose from all that I have, said Thingol, save only Arunruth, my own. Then Beleg chose Anglekel, and that was a sword of great worth, and it was so named because it was made of iron that fell from heaven as a blazing star. It would cleave all earth-delved iron. One other sword only in Middle-earth was like to it, Angriel, and it was made of the same ore by the same smith, Ael the Dark Elf, and he kept it until it was stolen from him by his son, Maglin you
1: Hey there, ears. Welcome back to Keep on Tolkien. I'm Joel N. And I'm Danny J. And today we have an exciting episode. We decided to switch things up a little bit. Yeah, this is, we,
0: this is a new little experiment. Coming. Yeah,
1: we find ourselves often talking about people or places or events, but one thing we haven't really touched on so far. Things! Things! <laughs> or we're going to say artifacts, because that sounds better. Yeah. Artifacts. Because there are a lot of really cool artifacts in the Tolkien universe.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's all about it's all about artifacts, man.
1: So yeah, we're going to be doing this
0: new, this new little artifact series, so enjoy it, guys.
1: Yeah, and we thought a good subject to start on. Let's start simple. Swords. There's swords. a lot of swords with names in history in Tolkien.
0: Oh yeah, it's a sword fest. So <laughs> let's talk about this uh, in, in literature itself, the significance of the primary weapon, right? In Tolkien, most of the time the primary weapon is used is a sword. Many times not, though, and we'll maybe get into those in some other episodes, but today it's all about swords.
1: But in other fiction,
0: um, we can see, like, the Jedi, they have their color-coded lightsabers.
1: In Dirty Harry, he's got his forty-four Magnum. Harry Potter's got his Phoenix Feather Wand. Mad Max had that badass double-barrel sawed-off. Oh, yeah. King Arthur had Excalibur. Thor has, as we know, the hammer Mjolnir.
0: And Percy Jackson. Yeah, 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 Percy Jackson reference. He had the pen sword, Riptide, that looks like a pen. Ch-ch-ch-ch-
1: shing percy jackson is one of those book series that i never actually got into
0: dude percy jackson is this shit it's so good
1: i know the movie was supposed to be pretty disappointing dude
0: the movies are trash i (laughs) fucking hate those there's multiple there's two well i haven't seen the second one i just assume it's trash the first one honestly the first one was one of the worst movies i've seen in many years oof it's bad it's really bad
1: well we're not talking about percy jackson's world (laughs) yeah
0: hit us hit us up we'll talk more about percy jackson on the web guys we'll throw it up (laughs) to the web
1: so these primary weapons we're talking about the primary weapon of a character usually always says something about the character like a personality trait or like a particular ability that it's going to try to highlight or a bit of history of the character
0: and the primary weapon almost always almost almost always becomes a plot device at some point
1: Yeah, that does happen a lot, doesn't it? Always, always.
0: And it's either uh, due to a special ability of the weapon, or uh, perhaps in many
1: cases, a special task
0: required to obtain or use the weapon,
1: perhaps. Mm -hmm. So let's start off, let's get into some of these weapons, guys. Yeah, we're just
0: going to hit you up, guys, with this list. You ready? Here we go.
1: So we thought a good place to start off when we're talking about swords, let's start off with something we think everybody's going to know.
0: A little familiar, yeah.
1: So we thought a good place to start when we're talking about famous Tolkien swords would be to start off with the gondolindrum blades and uh, we're we're using the term gondolindrum blades specifically to reference these the, the uh, three swords that were found in the troll horde by thorn and company during the quest for erebor so we're gonna so the Thor that the swords that gandalf frodo and uh bilbo. thor Thorin get bilbo oh i said frodo excuse yeah. me bilbo. bilbo yeah you're almost right mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> give me some credit <laughs> But yeah,
0: those three blades are the ones we... When we say Gondolindran blades, that's what we're referring to. All three blades do uh, certain things. Unlike in the film, they they glow when orcs are close. All three of them do that. Yeah,
1: all three blades do this. And uh, throughout the books there are scenes where you know it explicitly talks about these blades glowing and such mm-hmm. always yeah i was always disappointed that glamdring never glowed because that's yeah. that's supposed to be a really badass sword yeah
0: yeah yeah and i think it's like uh it's cool in the silmarillion when the Gondolindrums show up so we assume that all Gondolindrum bla- blades do this right
1: yeah imagine a whole army of those yeah. motherfuckers well it
0: says remember that their lights shine as they it shines as they pull their swords out like it's, oh. yeah it says that in the near name subtle details Yeah, dude. but they're there yeah, I think it says their blades shine like white fire or something like that. Yeah.
1: But speaking of Glamdring, let's kind of start off there. We're gonna go through these blades one by one. Let's start with Glamdring. So, like we mentioned a second ago, that was a sword that was chosen by Gandalf from the Troll Horde, and it's actually the name Glamdring is actually Quenya for Foe Hammer. Remember these these blades came from Gondolin, so they're named in Quenya. Right. A lot of times you're gonna find uh, Sindarin named mm-hmm. named weapons.
0: Yeah, but these ones, Gondolin. So this was actually the sword of Turgon, who was the king of Gondolin, and at one point he was actually High King of the Noldor in
1: exile. So that's pretty important. Like this is a pretty important guy's guy sword. There's not much specifics
0: mentioned on the sword in the First Age, but it is said that he used the Turgon used the sword in the Nirnaeth Arnoediad, and um, it's said that he used it to f-
1: to hew his way to Fingon's side, just cutting his way through Melkor's armies. Yeah,
0: hew, oh.
1: And that's when it started to be known as beater by the orcs, because they were just getting beat with it.
0: What's fucked up is I was thinking about that. They call it beater in the third age, so it's been known like this sword has been known for thousands of years. Like little orc children are told stories about this horrible, about this horrible, <laughs> horrible fucking sword that they should all be afraid of. It's the boogeyman to them.
1: That's crazy. It's like when people talk about uh, grand or something.
0: Mm-hmm. It is their legend. They are legend. I am legend. People will get that to reference, don't worry. Yeah, even if I don't.
1: So ultimately we know that somehow this sword goes from the fall of Gondolin and makes its way into that troll horde where it is found during the Third Age. Although we don't really know how that connects. There's not much history, or any history, about no. in between those two points in time it's a tolkien mystery so it was most likely with turgon when he died in the fall of gondolin but how it got to the troll horde from there who knows maybe the orcs plundered it for a while maybe i don't know dwarves came in later on Ooh. and plundered it. who the hell knows who the
0: fuck knows it might have got stolen from somebody who stole it you know
1: yeah yeah that's uh that'd be some fun uh, fan fiction right there
0: did you remember how turgon dies in the fall of gondolin the fucking tower collapses on him.
1: Oh, yeah, because he's still fighting in the main tower, yeah, and it yeah. collapses he, down on he him. He
0: literally goes down with the ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Gandalf is uh, really the one we hear most using this sword, um, and he uses
1: it to great effect in the Third Age. He took out his sword again, and again it flashed in the dark by itself. It burned with a rage that made it gleam if goblins were about. Now it was bright as blue flame for the delight of killing the great lord of the cave. But it made no trouble whatever of cutting through the goblin chains and setting all the prisoners free as quickly as possible. It cuts through their chains? Yeah those, Gond- <laughs> yeah those gondolindrum blades man i mean they might not be made of galvorn but they're still pretty sweet they're
0: still pretty solid man yeah they, well, we talk a little bit in this uh, section about the cool things that they do but uh mm-hmm. yeah they do many things that other swords cannot
1: yeah i really love that excerpt from the hobbit there i love that scene when gandalf bails their asses out when oh, they're yeah. in goblin town yeah
0: i was uh i was t- trying to find excerpts and uh, there's actually gandalf rescues uh orcrist which is the sword we're about to talk about next oh yeah and he gives it back to Thor and with a bow,
1: he says. So let's jump into Orchrist.
0: Yeah, that's the sword that was uh, chosen by Thorin Oakenshield. And it was probably originally owned by Icthelion. That's at least legend. It's not super confirmed, but most people believe it's Icthelion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's, he was a pretty important character, so it's likely he'd have one of the nice swords. Mm-hmm. And Icthelion was the lord of the Fountain of Gondolin, and he was known for dying in single combat with Gothmog, the lord of Belrogs, during the fall of Gondolin.
0: Mm-hmm. So that,
1: that blade has a hell of a lot of history to it before it ever gets to thorin mm-hmm. like that's pretty badass and the sword is known
0: by orc legend <laughs> as biter even into the third age but the true name of orcrist actually means goblin cleaver in quenya
1: and uh, Thorn killed many orcs with it during the company's passing through goblin town and when Thorn was captured in mirkwood by thranduil the sword was taken from him
0: This is pretty cool. I I totally forgot about this until pretty recently. After Thorin's death, it was actually placed with honor on his tomb near Erebor. And it kind of stood uh, in ages to come as like a magic beacon. Oh, yeah. For, yeah, when, you know, orcs were coming. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, everybody would see the sword and they'd be like, oh, shit, it's time to do some stuff. Dude, I'm in the Battle of Dale.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. I wonder if that was helpful at the Battle of Dale.
0: If we were filming this, I would totally have that as a scene. Like the sword just starts yeah. going,
1: Oh, oh shit. What yeah, are have that do? be like a critical a critical aid to the battle that helps them win. Yeah. Oh, That'd yeah. be really cool. That'd be a cool tie in. Yeah. Tolkien Earing.
0: Yeah, Tolkien Earing. Uh, uh.
1: But ultimately I never really understood why they called it it was called Goblin Cleaver when it was fucking taking down Belrogs. Like you think that would be the one that you'd probably want to name it after. Yeah. Like Belrog Cleaver.
0: I was having an argument with somebody about on the internet about this. <laughs> So yeah, I that's my camp too. I believe that if it was used to fight balrogs, it should be called the balrog cleaver. Right. I mean,
1: what's more notable? You killed a bunch of orcs with this or you killed a handful of balrogs including the leader of all balrogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty badass.
0: In uh this this person, this 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 man I was arguing with on the internet, he was saying it was because Gothmog was drowned in the fountain which is why and I was like well that's Gothmog yeah he slew other Balrogs as well although I suppose like we mentioned earlier did he drown
1: all of them that's what I'm wondering I guess like we mentioned earlier it isn't 100% confirmed that it was a true true but so maybe that's where they're getting that from either way Orcrist guys Orcrist the wonderful sword the Goblin Cleaver and I also say I didn't like how they uh, pictured it in the Hobbit it's movies? It's shit. In the I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like those like, one-sided elvish blades. No, because, uh, it's dorky as From fun. what I can tell, all of the elvish blades are always uh, two-sided.
0: Yeah, they're always like, uh, like slimmer broadswords, sometimes anyway. with a slightly curved blade. Yeah, I don't know what they're thinking, Joel.
1: <laughs> so let's jump into the last of these Gondolindrum blades that I, I think... A big favorite of a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Sting. Sting.
0: Sting. And this is the sword slash long cheese knife uh, (laughs) (laughs) chosen by Bilbo Baggins. Out of the troll horde.
1: Yeah, the original user of the blade is unknown because it's technically more of like a dagger.
0: Oh, I know who it was. Yeah, but... Oh, yes. Danny
1: definitely has his... uh, He has his theory.
0: Yes. It is the childhood uh, uh, carrying around type of blade for... uh, Maybe a practice sword for Aeerendil. A A practice sword? Yeah, a really sharp practice (laughs) sword. No, maybe a ceremonial blade. I don't know. Like if you dress the kid up for, you know... Ceremonial yeah, blade. ceremonial. would be, be cool, maybe. Yeah,
1: give him a little little tiny uh, gondolindrum blade. Yeah. Ultimately, it was a dagger or a long knife with a jeweled hilt. Or a child's sword. Or a child's sword. <laughs> and uh, Bilbo most famously uses this blade to kill a lot of the giant spiders during their trip through Mirkwood. Oh, yeah. During the quest for Erebor. And that's ultimately where he gave it the name Sting after killing his first spider with it. And it's like... Uh-huh.
0: Adder cop, Still adder on. cop. We said lazy lob, lazy lob, adder cop, adder cop. Just like fucking Just taunting gibberish. them. Yeah, I don't know if maybe that's English, like English English. Does oh, yeah. Yeah, does adder cop mean something in English English? Guys, let I'm, us know. Let us know. I know. We, I know we got people listening over there. I know it.
1: <laughs> uh, so later on, we know it's also carried by Frodo during the War of the Ring, and Frodo also uses Sting to great effect during the Fellowship, especially during those tough times in Moria, and we've got a cool excerpt about that suddenly and to his own surprise frodo felt a
0: hot wrath blaze up in his heart the shire he cried and springing beside boromir he stooped and stabbed with sting at the hideous foot there was a bellow and the foot jerked back nearly wrenching sting from frodo's arm black drops dripped from the blade
1: and smoked on the floor (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's
1: pretty sweet i guess i keep i forget that uh, troll blood is is like that it sounds like it's acidic or something it is
0: i was just thinking of that joel when i was writing this because you remember in uh, the silmarillion hurin's uh the axe he uses is like oh it, it yeah there's away, it melts in, away. The, in the troll blood mm-hmm. yeah so it's super acidic so that means the gondolundrum blades can even stand up to that shit
1: they must be able to yeah that's pretty cool so Frodo's not the only one to use Sting during the War of the Ring timeline. As we know, Sam also later uses Sting for many cool things, including making Shelob basically fuck off. It's not yeah. said whether or not Shelob dies. I don't think she does. Probably not. But uh, She'll
0: never remember that. She'll never forget that. Dad, oh, though. hell no. <laughs> and Sting was actually uh, given to Sam by Frodo after the War of the Ring.
1: Oh, so Sam's the one that holds on to it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Sam actually, I think he gives it to, to Eleanor, his daughter. Oh, badass. When he
1: uh, sails over to Valinor very cool
0: that in the book i think he gives her. that'd
1: be an awesome heirloom family heirloom hell yeah <laughs> holy shit yeah it would all right so let's actually dive into some of these maybe lesser known swords lesser known swords so our first sword on the
0: lesser known swords list <laughs> is Dagmore, and that's the sort of baron or the one-handed
1: and its name means dark slayer in cindarin holy
0: shit that's a metal
1: name that is a really cool name I uh, Dagmore. I didn't even realize that that was the name of his sword. I didn't know his sword had a name.
0: Yeah, totally. And uh, Baron uses his sword uh, throughout all of his times as a huntsman and a wanderer in the wild.
1: So at the time that we meet Baron in the Silmaril, in the Silmarillion, he and really a handful of others of his house are all that's left after the Dagor Bragalock.
0: Right, and uh, at one day, while uh, they're a small ragtag group of dudes that survived, they are attacked by orcs while Baron is away.
1: And in the story, we know that that's due to the treachery of Gorlim the unhappy, who turned them into Sauron. Yeah, Dick. I, yeah, that's a great story. They put him to death cruelly. Cruelly, and the orcs they cut off Barahir's hand, and they basically make off with it.
0: But Baron. Takes his
1: revenge using Dagmore. He
0: kills all the orcs and recovers his father's hand. And also, what was on it, Felagun's ring.
1: Yeah, so that's a pretty important Dagmore scene. And that would basically be the sword that he uses through most of the Baron and Luthien story, right? We, I uh, think... Probably he, up he, until... Uh, he loses it in Sauron's dungeon. Probably up until Sauron's dungeon, yeah. Because
0: yeah. mm-hmm. after that, all they have is Angrist, which is
1: the next blade on the list. Angrist. So let's so, get into Angrist. Yeah. yeah. So Angris, again, comes from the tale of Baron and Luthien, and uh, Angris is a, sheath- is a sheathless knife made by the dwarven smith Telkar in the First Age.
0: And it was actually originally uh, carried by Kurafin, Asshole. Asshole. And uh, Baron rightfully stole it from
1: his ass. Because he's an asshole? Yeah, because he just tried to kill him. And Baron famously uses this dagger to try to pry a Silmaril from Orgoth's crown. Well, he does successfully. And yeah, then he yeah. tries, well, he tries for two.
0: Mm-hmm. He gets a little greedy. Tries for two.
1: Yeah, it said that the blade could cleave iron as if it were green wood. So another one of those ultra sharp blades. But uh, like some of uh, Telkar's other <laughs> yeah, his other blades, uh, this one, Angrist actually breaks while Baron is trying to use it.
0: Yeah, get that second, that sweet bonus, Silmaril. And when the blade breaks, it actually a shard of it hits Morgoth in the face and cuts him open.
1: Yeah, nearly wakes him up. So, like the fail, the failure of this blade is is pretty pretty bad. Pretty pivotal. Yeah, this is pretty this is pretty pivotal. <laughs> it's a big deal.
0: And this actually brings us up to guys something I hope you're excited about because we sure are. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done one of these. It's been a while. This is the triumphant return of Minnesota Tolkien radio drama, guys. Ta-da, ta-da, it's ta-da. back. Ja, ja, ja. So we got a little. <laughs> Minnesota, Minnesota Tolkien radio drama uh, about this Angris scene in the tale of Baron and Luthien. Now Baron and Luthien had finally had Morgoth where they wanted him. Luthien sung a sweet tune and sung the entire court of Morgoth to sleep. The answer is a blowing in the wind. Finally, the time had come to take what they came for.
1: Already, the nun. It looks like they're all all good and asleep now. Maybe you could use that knife you got from Kurfin there to, uh, you know, cut out one of them jewels, maybe you think? Oh yeah, hun. I think
0: you're right, for sure. It looks like that little song yours uh put them right out to sleep, yeah?
1: For sure. Here I go, honey bun. Baron went up to the crown which now lay on the floor. Morgoth continued to slumber, and Baron drew out the knife angrist, and went to work.
0: Okay, now let's just take a little look here. Ah, yeah.
1: For sure.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the ticket. Here we go.
1: The blade split the iron around the Silmaril like carving a piece of wood. The jewel finally popped out into Baron's hand. Oh, yeah, there she be. One Silmaril from the Crown of Morgoth. All right, for
0: sure. Good job, hun. Maybe we should get out of here now, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. But as long as we're here, hey, why don't we uh take all the damn things, you know? Baron then took the knife and went back to work cutting out another Silmaril. Suddenly, just as the jewel was about to come free, the blade snapped and a shard hit Morgoth in the face, and he stirred in his sleep. Oh. Oh, I don't want to go to school, Mom. I'm sick. Just let me sleep.
1: Baron, scared to wake up the court, put down the knife and turned to Luthien. Oh yeah.
0: I think we best be getting out of here, honey bun. Oh yeah, for sure. And scene, there it is, you guys.
1: <laughs> the return, the return of Minnesota Tolkien radio drama. We're actually kind of excited to start making these again. These are fun.
0: Yeah, they're fun. I like I like writing them. They're fun. They they really fuck up my life though because I talk like this for like. a <sighs> Yeah, week. then
1: you gotta get you gotta get like in and out of the the stereotypical accent. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> so I hope you guys enjoyed that. Let you let us know what you think.
0: Yeah, thank you guys. So let's get into our next sword, Joel. What's our next sword? Bah, 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 bah.
1: So the next blade we're talking about today is Arunruth, and that is the personal sword of King Thingol of Doriath.
0: Bah, bah, bah,
1: bah. And I'm excited about this one because this is a really cool sword.
0: Yeah, uh, he actually prized this sword like uh, above all else, and uh, when Bellic Huthalion asked for a sword of worth to aid him to find Turin, who is basically his son, he was told that he could take any save Arunruth, and this is actually the opening excerpt that
1: we read. Yeah, if you guys remember back to that open ex- opening excerpt, I always thought it was so crazy that he said, take any sword I have except Aaron Ruth. Like yeah. he even considered uh, Anglikel. To be lesser than Aaron Ruth, apparently. Right. So yeah. I wonder how bad badass this sword was. I know Aaron Ruth must have been crazy. Yeah. So this blade survived the fall of Doriath, and it was taken to the havens of Sirion by Elwing, granddaughter of Thingol.
0: And it actually went on to become one of the heirlooms of the Dúnedain because they're descendants of Thingol. Go figure.
1: Yeah. That I I, I squinted at that a second because I always forget that the Dúnedain are are heirs of both the Sindar and uh, the Noldor and the Maiar. Yeah, they're, they're in all three houses of the Adonis. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> from ev- they're from everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the Dúnedain are yeah, they're a toss salad, that's for sure. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> I don't know.
1: But ultimately the blade was lost during the downfall of Númenor.
0: Yeah, as a lot of great things were
1: As a lot of great things were. That's another one of those, yeah. You just oh what a bummer! Because that had to have been a hell of a sword.
0: Now, now that we're talking about the Numenoreans, let's talk about some other
1: Numenorean shit. Yeah, it's a good segue into uh, our next kind of set of blades, and we're gonna call them the daggers of Westerness. And yes. just to be clear, these are the blades that the hobbits carried during the War of the Ring.
0: And so they, inc- and they, uh, their bearers include Sam and Frodo and Pippin and Merry.
1: Yeah, and they took these blades from the tombs on the Barrow Downs. This is one of the first, like, big adventures that they have.
0: Yeah, they're actually brought out of the tomb by Bombadil. He's like, here you Mm -hmm.
1: go. And
0: uh, they had black blades with serpents engraved and uh, red-jeweled
1: hilts. Yeah, I always imagined these were some really badass-looking blades. Yeah, dude. Even though they were very old, they were not rusted, and they were still very sharp. And these blades were actually made
0: during the fall of the Northern Kingdom in the early Third Age. And they were made by the Dunedain of Cardolan. To combat the forces of the Witch King of Angmar. Yeah,
1: they say that um, the Northern Kingdom was a, a lot more faithful to the Numenorean ways than Way the Southern life, Kingdom yeah. was. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine like the kind of like knowledge of westernness that went into making these blades. They must have been pretty badass.
0: Yeah, and these blades were probably pretty important. I was reading that they uh, uh, some theories. I don't know if this is canon or not. The uh, tomb that they were in is the last is the tomb of the last prince of
1: Cardolan. Oh, yeah. So maybe that's why he had such important artifacts with him. Right, right. So since the these blades were made during that time during the fall of the northern kingdom they were made to combat the forces of specifically the witch king of angmar because the witch king of angmar was the basically the biggest threat to the northern kingdom when it fell
0: oh yeah he was the villain
1: so they had the ability to break through the defense magic of the wraiths, which is so important when these blades come into play later so on so important in the war of the ring
0: And this is actually how Mary used his barrel Blade, or Blade of Westerness, to stab the Witch King in the back of the knee during the Battle of
1: Pelennor Fields. Yeah, we talked about this scene a little bit in our last episode. Yeah. On Eowyn. Yeah, we we sure did. We've got an excerpt about that scene here. Or we've got an excerpt about that blade here. No other blade, not though mightier hands had wielded it. Would have dealt that foe a wound so bitter, cleaving the undead flesh, breaking the spell that knit his unseen sinews to his will.
0: There's that fucking word again, dude.
1: Sinews. Sinews. Sinews.
0: sinews. I just don't like it. <laughs> All right, some more Dunedain stuff. Let's get into it. The Dunedain sword is what we're going to talk about.
1: Yeah, our next sword. I love this, Narsil slash Anduril. One of the most badass Dunedain swords.
0: Oh yeah. And uh, Narsil actually means red and white flame in Quenya. And this also was made by Telkar of Norgod in the First Age.
1: Yeah, we call this a Dunedain Blade, but it is made by a dwarf. Mm-hmm. It was passed down to the Dunedain, and it became one of the heirlooms of the kings of Numenor. Sure was. And later on, goes on to be an heirloom of the lords of Anduniae.
0: Yeah, there was, uh, and that, along with the Ring of Bear here as well, mm-hmm. there was that weird uh, moment where uh, one of the kings of Numenor wanted their daughter to be the queen, but it was against the law. So he split the heirlooms of the kingdom between her descendants and his son's descendants and uh his son descendants were the uh the kings of Numenor okay and the, uh, her descendants were the lords of Induniae so that's how those got split up right so that's how Elendil and friends get a hold of them they're heirlooms of their family Go that's figure. really cool yeah
1: so that means those two artifacts weren't rejoined together again until Aragorn wielded them right
0: no they were always together they oh. they, they came over in the after the fall together okay yeah okay
1: so narsil it's uh, most famously known as the sword of elendil and he wielded it fiercely in the war in the, of the last alliance
0: and it is said that that blade shone with the light of the sun and moon and orcs were fucking terrified of it
1: yeah i've seen those glowing blades
0: and Elendil took this blade into, into battle with Sauron himself at the Siege of Beradur.
1: Ultimately, as we know, Elendil was killed by Sauron, and that blade broke beneath him when he fell, and its light was extinguished at that point. This is, once again, a very, very pivotal moment where one of Telkar's blades breaks. Snaps, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is with Telkar's blades, guys, but uh, maybe you might not want to, maybe they're not as, as much as they're, as they're chalked up to be.
0: I have a little theory. And it's that blades are somewhat sentient, and they have the ability to commit suicide. <laughs> because I feel that this blade was like, he's like, yo, I'm a Lendil's blade through and through. If Lendil's not around, I ain't around neither. We're done here. So he snapped. You know, it was just like, I'm done. I'm done being a sword now. And we'll see this actually, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up later in the episode when it happens again.
1: Oh, yeah. A little bit of foreshadowing. So during this battle with Sauron, he too was nearly done in. And while he was in his weakest state, Isildur, son of Elendil, takes up the hilt shard of Narsil and cuts the one ring from Sauron's hand. He just cuts that finger clean off.
0: Clean off destroying and it's destroying his physical form like i was saying i in one of the other episodes i can't remember we have so many now um i was saying i hope he did it just to be an asshole and then found out that it like like later on
1: he found out that that's what needed to happen to defeat yeah
0: no i mean well he immediately would have found out like Yeah, yeah. yeah so like i imagine he's just like oh motherfucker you gonna kill my dad and my brother fuck you cuts off the ring take this fucking ring and then it's just poof poof he just turns into a fart in the wind and then it's like wow that was that was pretty fucking cool yeah i planned that yeah, it just
1: looks around. Totally meant to do that. Yeah, no, that was that was on purpose. That was on purpose, for totally, sure. Totally, So uh, after that, as we know, the Shards of Narsil then become an heirloom of the Dunedain of the North. And they survived the fall of the North Kingdom, and they were born by the chieftains of the Dunedain after that. And for
0: those of you Dunedain heads at home, that's all the way. <laughs> I hope there's Dunedain heads. For those of you stay. keeping track. <laughs> that's all the way from Aranarth, son of Arvidwi, the first chieftain of the Dunedain. Arvidui being the last king of Arnor, and all the way to Aragorn too, who we know, he's our buddy, and he's the 16th chieftain of the Dunedain.
1: And as we know, it's later reforged by the smiths of Rivendell in the year 3019 of the Third Age, and that's when it is renamed Anduril, Flame of the West, and that is a Quenya name. And Aragorn
0: actually, uh, contrary to what the film does, Aragorn actually carries this sword
1: throughout the War of the Ring. Yeah, this happens like right away. Like halfway through the fellowship when they're in Rivendell, the sword is reforged and Mm -hmm. he uses that badass sword the whole time. Yeah,
0: he pulls it out on Sam and again in uh, Bria, and he like Sam like looks at. it He's like, "Not much
1: use is it, Sam?" It's like it's a broken. Oh, with the broken shards, yeah, because yeah. he carries the straight, shards before yeah, that too. He
0: carries it, and it's kind of implied that he might use it for things like. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's kind of like a big ass dagger. I Yeah, suppose. yeah, a really really sharp one.
0: Yeah, that's what they do in uh, the the War of the North games or whatever. They have their their character has like a broken sword for a dagger.
1: Yeah, and if you want to know anything else that Aragorn does with that sword, go back and see our aragorn character profile
0: two parts yeah
1: but so ultimately this sword symbolizes the rightful claim to the throne of the high king of the dunedain and when aragorn uses this blade in battle men just flock to him and that part of that is believed that it's just because of the brilliance of the glowing blade because it uh, glows again now yeah yeah it's, it's glowing again and yeah could you imagine that like one dude's just like shows up with like the
0: banners of a landale, just comes with his sword
1: yeah this shining blade Yeah, I'd probably flock to that motherfucker too. I'd
0: flock to that guy.
1: But yeah, Anduril, a wonderful blade.
0: Wonderful sword. One of our favorites.
1: But uh, let's get into a sword that's held by one of Aragorn's friends during the War of the Ring. Let's get into uh, good old Aeomer's sword. Yeah. And that sword's name is guthwein
0: or guthwein i'm not really Guthvine? sure i think it's Guthvine, like because it's, it's like a german word or whatever okay i don't know but i say Guthvine. either way guys say it how you want this is america but i suppose it's not america everywhere
1: i'm not i'm not super good at pronouncing Rohirric. no it's not it's a weird language but in Rohirric, the name means battle friend which is a dope fucking name it's for a, a cool sword. it's a very Rohirric name <laughs> they're all about battles
0: yeah, and Aem are like uh, all the Rohirrim, we just talked about this in the last episode too, in the a- the Aowen episode, they are motherfuckers in battle.
1: Oh yeah, they live for that shit.
0: And uh, he uses uh, his sword, Guthvine, to fight alongside Aragorn and Anduril during the Battle of the Hornburg.
1: I imagine that had been a pretty badass sight to see. Both oh, yeah. of them side by side just cutting down orcs and... Yeah. wild men and
0: there's a scene I, I couldn't fit it in here but i think there's a scene in the in the book where they uh they draw their swords and they're like and he says guthwine for the mark and then aragorn's like "Andoril for the dunedain hell yeah Aomer was also known to sing as he wielded the blade
1: another habit of the Rohirrim. yeah yeah during the battle of pelinor fields when aomer sees the banners of elendil unfurled from the corsair's ships on the river he does, a, he does a really cool trick. Uh, Amor throws Guthwine high up in the air towards the sun and sings as he catches it in his hand. Hell yeah, what a cool trick. That's pretty badass. Yeah. Just toss your sword in the air, yeah. start singing, and catch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was pretty fucking excited, to say the least. Yeah,
0: so Guthwine did some good things. And yeah, uh, it's a pretty yeah. badass sword. Yeah. Let's talk about another blade of the Rohirrim, shall we?
1: Oh yeah, if we're going to talk about any blades of the Rohirrim, let's talk about King Theoden's blade.
0: Yeah, and that blade is known as Herugrim, and uh, there's not a whole lot known about its back, no, its its backstory, but it is known that the name means fierce or cruel savage
1: in Rohirric. Another really badass named sword.
0: Yeah, these guys are really good at naming swords.
1: So the sword was hidden from him for many years by Grima Wormtongue. Uh, so if, you, if you'll remember back when we talked about the time when Theoden was sick mm-hmm. because of the subtle poisons and things of Grima. So during this time is when he had the sword also taken away from him. Grima hid it away. But ultimately, Theoden recovers his sword and rides off with it to war.
0: And he uses this blade in both the Battle of the Hornburg and the Battle of Pelennor Fields.
1: So this, ba- this blade gets a lot of use.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now let's talk about one of the most famous swords of all time.
1: Yeah, one of the most famous swords of the First Age.
0: And that of course is the sword of Fingolfin, High King of the Noldor
1: in Exile, Ringil. Ringil. Yeah, this blade is sung about in the uh in the Lay of Luthien. Yes, it is. And the name of the blade is actually Quenya a word for cold or ice. Which is also a pretty cool name for a sword. I, loved, yeah. I love Tolkien's, Tolkien's names for weapons. He does, yeah. a, he does an awesome job. Awesome job. And little is ultimately known about the origins, but his deeds are well known. We know that it originated somewhere in Valinor, right?
0: Yeah, or shortly after they got, I mean, there wouldn't been much time to, you know. I assume he took it from Valinor, because he, ha- he had to use a sword in the Kinslaying. Right. So he had a sword. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would assume that would be the same sword. So it's from Valinor, probably. And uh, here's a little this is a uh, This is my opinion. I think it actually might be one of the first swords ever made in Valinor by probably Feanor himself.
1: Just kind of, like, re-gifted? Yeah, like,
0: uh, I think
1: maybe... Because, <laughs> you know, like, Feanor probably wouldn't, like, outright make a super badass sword for Fingolfin. For Fingolfin, he but didn't like him that much.
0: I imagine, yeah, he gave it to his dad, Fenway, and then his dad gave it to
1: Fingolfin. <laughs> so here, have the sword. I've got go. so yeah. many swords. Got so many.
0: My one kid just makes them like crazy. He's fucking nuts. He's out there day and night, bang, 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 making hammers,
1: making <laughs> swords. But uh, Fingolfin does some pretty crazy shit with this sword. Yes, he does. So there's that famous scene where Fingolfin rides to the doors of Angband to challenge Melkor himself in single combat, and that's in the year 456 of the First Age. And
0: this is probably, without a doubt, the most fucking heavy metal moment in the Silmarillion.
1: So we thought we'd uh, give you this excerpt. But Fingolfin gleamed
0: beneath as a star, for his mail was overlaid with silver, and his blue shield was set with crystals, and he drew his sword Ringil, that glittered like ice. Then Morgoth hurled aloft Gron, the hammer of the underworld, and swung it down like a bolt of thunder, and Morgoth set his foot upon Fingolfin's neck, and the weight of it was like a fallen hill. Yet with his last and desperate stroke, Fingolfin hewed the foot with Ringil, and the blood gushed forth black and smoking, and filled the
1: pits of Gron. God, that's such a crazy scene. Yeah, yeah. I think we've we've probably quoted this scene already a handful of times I'm throughout sure. past episodes, but you just can't ju- you just can't not quote. It. This is like one of the best. Oh yeah, there's so much art of this scene. I think this is one of the most famous scenes in the Silmarillion. Oh totally, yeah. And uh, so as we find out, also- Ringil is used by Fingolfin to deal seven wounds to Morgoth. So seven times Morgoth cries out in pain, and uh, ultimately Ringil permanently mars Morgoth's foot in that that last desperate stroke. Mm-hmm. And Morgoth is forever uh bearing that pain. It yeah. it, it never goes away. I think he, they said he also walks with a limp after that. He too. does, yeah. Yeah, like they he got pretty fucked up. And then oh, Thorndor yeah. came down and fucked up his face too. He fucked up
0: his face too, yeah. He's not looking good at that juncture.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a pretty fucked up battle for him. But yeah, some badass deeds done with Ringil. Something that I don't know. It's it's hard to. It's kind of hard to compare to that.
0: I imagine after that fight, that um, Morgoth went back into Angvan just like crying, <laughs> and all the Balrogs like came and like, "Oh no, hey man,
1: you you're all right, dude. You uh, you're doing pretty good. You doing all
0: right." Fuck you. Fuck you, man. Leave me alone. Then goes and listens to Evanescence in his
1: room. (laughs) Cries. Morgoth in his emo stage.
0: Yeah, he's got goth in the name, dude.
1: Yeah. So we thought it would be appropriate to uh, end this episode with probably one of the most badass swords in all of Tolkien. And we've we've talked about some pretty badass swords so far. So
0: far, yeah. And this is the sword uh, from the opening excerpt. This is
1: Anglakel,
0: which means flaming iron or blazing iron in Cinderin.
1: Which later becomes known as Gorathang. Yeah, yeah. And this is one of two swords that was originally made by Aeol, the dark elf of Nan Elmoth. And
0: the other was Angriel. Angriel. And that was stolen by Maglin and taken with him to Gondolin.
1: Yeah, so it can be assumed that that second sword was with Maglin when Tour threw his ass <laughs> over, the, over the wall of Gondolin. Yeah, it can, so... it can be assumed. I always like to fantasize about Angriel, like what that sword was like, but oh, yeah. uh, who knows what happened to that after the fall of Gondolin. Who knows? But I like to think if the Gondolindum blades, like the other three Gondolindum blades made it out of there, maybe Angriel's out there somewhere too. Maybe. Because, maybe. I mean, I don't think anyone would throw that sword away if they found it. No. Good point. But Anglekel. So Anglical was given to Thingol as a price for Eol being able to dwell in the forest of Nan Elmoth because the forest of Nan Elmoth was technically under Thingol's rule. Mm -hmm. so uh, I guess he required Aeol to pay a price for living in his woods. Yeah. I mean, Aeol's kind of a dick. I guess I'd charge him for I'd charge
0: him, too. (laughs) I'd charge him. First of the month,
1: every month. I want a new sword. I want a new sword.
0: (laughs) And the blade was actually made from a metal called Galvorn. And it was created from meteoric iron that fell to fell to the earth.
1: Yeah, so both of those swords were made out of this, this really cool iron. And it said that it could cleave through all other earth-delved metals. And a, another really cool characteristic about it is it was black. Yeah. Like it was a black metal. Mm-hmm. And when Thingol actually sends Beleg Cuthalion to find his adopted son
0: Turin, uh, Beleg asks for a sword of worth. And this is the little excerpt that we Yeah, wrote. this is the
1: uh, scene we described in the excerpt.
0: And yeah, like like we uh, heard, he, he's bidden to save, uh, to take any except Erynruth. And when he chooses that blade, this this wasn't in the excerpt, when he chooses that blade, Melian the Maya actually warns him. And uh, what does she say, Joel?
1: Yeah, when uh, Beleg chooses Anglicel, Melian gives her her little prophecy, and this is another one of the times when you should be listening to what melian is saying but nobody ever does but nobody ever does and uh melian says that the blade still has malice from its maker in it and uh, beleg's like all right well i'll use it anyway as long as i can because it looks like a pretty good sword
0: but yeah beleg actually does uh, eventually meet up with turin and they roll deep together for a while and they uh do their land of Bowen helm stuff and the land of Bowenhelm is a, a place made safe from orcs by the two friends and their band of outlaws. Because, like, this is after the Nirneth, so there's yeah. orcs fucking everywhere. Yeah, so
1: this is kind of during the dark times. Yeah, there's always kind of orcs prowling. But hey, yeah, they made this little haven area called the land of Bowenhelm. And uh, one day Turin is captured by orcs, unfortunately. And Beleg tracks this band of orcs down and finds Turin, who was uh, tortured by orcs and bound to a tree.
0: And Beleg cuts the bonds uh, with a sword, with the sword Anglikel, And in the process, he actually slips and he pricks Turin's foot.
1: And this is when Turin just wakes up, like, in rage, thinking that the orcs have come back to torture him. He's, he's just totally delirious. And uh, in the dark, with, like, a thunderstorm looming overhead, Turin wrestles, takes the blade from Beleg, and runs it through him without even realizing what was going on. Yeah. Another one of those tragedies of Turin Turambar. Rough.
0: Eventually, Turin does take the sword for himself after it's rescued from Beleg's body by
1: uh, Gwyndor
0: of Nargothrond.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gwyndor had enough sense to take this sword. He said it would be
0: more fitting for it to still cleave orcs than uh, rather lay useless in the ground with
1: Beleg. Yeah, I think that's a pretty practical decision. Oh, yeah. And the two of them ultimately go to Nargothrond, where a smith there reforges the sword into Guthang, Gorthang, the Iron of Death.
0: Yeah, and at this point, the, uh, the edges, they shine with fire.
1: This is while uh, Celebrimbor... Don't
0: even say it. I just didn't even think of that.
1: This is while Celebrimbor is totally dwelling in Nargothrond, isn't it? So, because this is after the Baron and Luthien tale. Yeah. And so it could have potentially been remade by Celebrimbor. By Celebrimbor. That's some pretty fun Tolkien-earing right there. Yeah.
0: Good job, Joel.
1: And then it is renamed Gorthag.
0: The Iron of Death.
1: I like that name a little
0: bit better. Me too. But uh, ultimately, Turin uses this sword uh, for very good things or some very bad things as well. But he does a lot of things with it, which you could uh, learn all about in our Turin episode, episode eleven.
1: Yeah, ultimately, he slays Glaurung with it. I think that's the big highlight. The big highlight. The of, big this, highlight. of The big highlight. This is career, the sword yeah. that kills fucking Glaurung, right. the first, the father of dragons. Right. Like yeah. that is pretty nuts.
0: Pretty, pretty wild.
1: And uh, so after glavrong is killed the spell is lifted from turin and he realizes all the horrible truths that have been going on and following him around throughout his life and he finally gives up and he actually speaks to gore this is what danny was referencing earlier when we were talking about sentient blades yep because this is the this is the proof for that because some blades at least this one anyway are known to be sentient yep. they speak they speak so we have an excerpt about this scene here hail gore No lord or loyalty dost thou know, save the hand that wieldeth thee. From no blood wilt thou shrink. Wilt thou therefore take Turin Turambar? Wilt thou slay me swiftly? And from the blade rang a cold voice in answer. Yea, I will drink thy blood gladly, that I may forget the blood of Beleg my master, and the blood of Brandir, slain unjustly.
0: And then Turin buries the hilt, and throws himself on the blade, and so endeth Turin Turambar, the saddest character <laughs> in all of Tolkien.
1: So ended Turin, and Turin thought it just and thought it
0: was just. <laughs> but uh, when Turin's friends actually find him and they they lift the uh, the body off the blade, they see that what has happened, but it is broken asunder underneath him,
1: which is strange. So this blade had some really interesting characteristics to it, right? Mm-hmm like not only is it the only fucking sentient blade around but it's it's so after he used it to kill Beleg by accident all of a sudden the blade goes blunt for some reason right that's which true. is why it needs to be reforged mm-hmm. in Argathron, because the blade just goes blunt because it's it's like it has feelings or something yeah and then now after it has to help Turin kill himself the blade just breaks it's this is a blade that's supposed to delve through all earthbound metals like all of a sudden it just it yeah, breaks? It's, so it's like yeah. it commit suicide
0: yeah it's yeah. It's another suicide in the story.
1: Yeah, I I think that's safe to say.
0: But that's the end of the list we got for you guys. Wow, that ended real sad.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought this was a really cool subject. All these swords, but uh, yeah, ending on the children of Hurin highlights <laughs> is is always a rough is a rough way to end something. So we thought we'd uh, kind of throw in a bit of a palate cleanser here.
0: Yeah, and this is um a, a little bit that we're
1: gonna call Aragorn's twenty first birthday. And this is a little bit that we've kind of referenced in the past, I think. It's built off of an old joke, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is what, based off of, yeah, Aragorn's 21st birthday when he, when he gets some of his uh, family heirlooms, yeah, right?
0: including the Shards of Narsil, which is why it's in, in it, this episode.
1: Appropriate, yeah. <laughs> Has to do with the sword. So we hope you guys enjoyed this little scene we got for you. For it was
0: in this time that Aragorn, son of Arathorn, lived among the elves of Enladris in the house of Elrond. Elrond had taken him in as a son and named him Estelle, meaning hope. He has just turned 21 and is about to learn about his true lineage. All the elves of Rivendell attended the party for Estelle's birthday, and they all partied as only elves can party. Shots! 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 shots. Wee! Party! 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 party. Alright now, alright now. I'm a... I'm a... I'm a... I'm gonna make a speech now. Today is the 21st birthday of my mm, of my son, and he's the greatest guy. the The man of the hour. The bomb diggity dog. Uh, Estelle. Yay! Yay. Shots, shots! 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 Yeah! Yeah! Whoop! Whoop! Yeah, man! It's like so great that you you know came to live with us. You know, I, I I mean it, man. I really, I
1: really, uh, um, do. Wow! Oh my God! You guys are so like just nice, man. You know? No, no. I I really mean it, man. Hey, Elron. Hey, 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 Elron. You're you're like a father to me. You know? It's it's so great. I'm in love with your daughter. What? <laughs> no, nothing, nothing. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just so fucking wasted. Woo!
0: Shots, 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 shots. Woo! Woo! Woo!
1: Anywho, thanks like so, so, so much for being for being my family. It's just like you know, I don't know. You guys are just the fucking best, man. It is just I just love you so much. I-
0: Oh no, man! Don't don't cry, man. Here's here's something. Here's here's something. I got something for you. Here's just a sec, here. Let me go. Here you here. you go, man. That's for for you, man. Go on, go go on, open it up. Yeah!
1: Shots! 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 It's a. Uh, let's see here. It's a. Uh, it's a broken sword. Uh, thanks, man. I mean, it's a nice sword. Super sweet. Nah,
0: man. Don't, don't, don't you know what that is, dog? It's the Shards of Narsil, dog. That's like, yours. Like, really yours, you know?
1: What? What? Uh, whoa. I uh, I don't fucking understand, man. I, well, I really don't. Bro. 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 Listen.
0: I don't know how to tell you this, man, but you're, like, you're like totally the High King of the Dunedain, man. What?
1: Totally, bro. Nah, nah. I'm Esto. You know the dude that lives in Rivendell. You know? Nah, <laughs> dude. That
0: ain't even like. Hoop! Your real name, man, is is Aragorn, son of Arathorn. Aragorn, son of who? Now? Yeah, man. You're like totally the High King of the Dunedain. And I don't know if you know this but like fucking everybody is trying to kill you man. What the
1: f- what the fuck?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, it's rough. I know it. But yeah. Anyways, you got a lot of like responsibilities, resp- you know, man. Bro. Yeah, man. Oh,
1: I think I'm going to Ralph.
0: Woo! Woo! Shots, shots, shots. <laughs> and scene thank you very much guys i love how it ended on a vomit i really
1: like that i mean that's probably what i would do if i was just told that my name isn't my my real name and i'm the high king of the dunedain and i have to reunite the two fallen the fallen kingdom that doesn't even exist in another one that's like falling apart like a yeah dude it's a lot of responsibility a lot you know? of responsibility a lot of and responsibility and
0: like, those elves are so drunk <laughs> why do they do <laughs> shots all the time
1: they all about those shots, man.
0: Switch to beer? Jesus Christ. I mean,
1: it's an melodious, man. Everyone's always having a good time.
0: Always down to party, man.
1: We hope you guys enjoyed that bit of a palate cleanser to end things off with.
0: But yeah, guys, thank you for listening to KOT Podcast. Follow us on social media.
1: Uh, Follow us on Twitter, at
0: KOT Podcast. If you want to follow me, I am uh, at Danny J, that's J-A-Y,
1: K-O-T. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash official Keep On Talking. And while you're there, don't forget to join the KOT Talk group, as uh, we get a lot of awesome fan questions and discussions and a lot of fun pictures and things it's just kind of a really fun group where everyone kind of talks
0: yeah and we're also doing that silmarillion read-along right now oh yeah so if you hurry up you can come read the silmarillion with us
1: yeah dive in and see what's going on and you can also follow us on instagram at keep on talking podcast and don't forget to subscribe on soundcloud or itunes or really wherever you get your podcasts and that's at www.thatwebsite.com forward slash keep on token
0: and please rate or review us on uh, any of those sites if you like us if you don't just keep it to yourself
1: yeah <laughs> yeah ultimately we, we, well we just love all the feedback that we yeah, get fucking with you Yeah, you guys are, you guys are great we love We love all the feedback we get. it it uh, gives us meaning when we get to read your comments, yeah,
0: it's a, it's fun. I like it,
1: but uh, importantly, also, don't forget to check out the Patreon, yeah, yeah. And that's www.patreon.com forward slash kot podcast,
0: And a subscription to Patreon is, uh, it it helps us do what we do. Um, KOT is actually a 100% DIY podcast. It is still coming out of our pockets. But uh, these uh, donations through Patreon really help subsidize that.
1: Yeah, they really help mitigate the financial hurt of running the podcast. (laughs) Yes. Because, yeah, we want to keep doing this as long as we can. We love this. Yeah. And subscribing can also
0: unlock some uh, pretty cool exclusive content. And it's uh, always not safe for work. You will be fired if you watch it at work. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, yeah, we like to have fun with the Patreon. We
1: have fun. We have fun. Yeah, so we, that's kind of an added treat if you like it. But uh, otherwise, that's everything we've got for you today, guys. Uh, I'm Joel N.
0: And I am Danny J.
1: And as always, keep, keep on talking.
0: All right and Tuluva.